Welcome to the IT Woodworker Podcast, where we discuss business and IT topics. I also include a woodworking project every once in a while, which is something that helps me keep my sanity in this fast-paced business we work in. If you enjoy the podcast, please like it, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to the next episode of the IT Woodworker. I am Chris Kuslis, and I'm joined with my co-host, Katie McCullough. Katie, welcome. How are you? Uh, I'm awesome, Chris. Hey. I don't, but I love your sticker. You know, I I'm not into the to the jersey, and quite frankly, I've moved past football. I've gone you're, right to the holidays. You're in Christmas. I was right. I wasn't trying to throw a jersey at you. It's my I voted sticker. It has nothing right. to do with being a Walter Payton jersey. Yeah, uh, I, I I yeah. And to be fair, I don't mind Walter Payton either. But it's the team that it represents. Well, I think. Both the Packers and the Bears were pretty bad. They, well, they both lost. Well, here, thank goodness we don't have Terry or Vikings fan on this call because we would be hearing it right now. <laughs> They're in first place. Yeah. They're in, jeez. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, I guess uh, neither one of us want to talk about football because we're both <laughs> in the same place and we both lost. So why don't we get into the podcast topic instead? Excellent. So, so Katie, last, uh, last podcast, we said we were going to have a, a three-part series here, and we talked about uh, investments, security investments. And the first, the first part of that three-part episode was about really table stakes investments that organizations really have to be, to have in place to be in business. So as you know, the, you're ready to start bringing the, the, your security program to the next level, that's what we're going to talk about today, or what are those products that, that you really need to have in place to be successful moving to the next level in your security process? So, Katie, I'm going to hand the ball over to you. Okay. So, I kind of look at these in, in two ways. One, it is, it depends on how you're looking to take your security program to the next level, because some of these kind of can build or change a little bit how you did some of your foundational but so I, I'll talk about those secondarily because the the next grouping it, it, believe me, some people would absolutely challenge me that some of these would be a secondary concern because it's not really a secondary concern. But at the end of the day, you always have to prioritize your spend and you know where you're putting your time and effort towards. So you know, believe me, there's a part of me that this first one it it is foundational, but a lot of companies struggle to implement it. So it, it is something that I consider, hey, don't overwhelm your client, your your staff, because it's multi-factor, right? Mm -hmm. Identity is such a big part of um, the threat vector, right? It's what the the bad actors are going after. They want to they want to be able to get in your environment. And guess what? Once you have somebody's identity, you can get into the environment. Um, multi-factor absolutely adds a complexity to being able to get in with your identity, right? And we've seen this with cyber, cyber insurance providers, right? One of the first things they're gonna ask you, do you have multi-factor for certain um, things in your environment, right? For anything that's external facing, certainly any kind of privileged accounts, uh, even, even if they're internal to your network, um, but that, that kind of remote access and that privileged access those really are foundational pieces to have some kind of multi-factor because that's how the bad actors are going to come in is from the external. And then once they get in, they're going after your privileged accounts, right? So mm -hmm. it is a layer of defense, 
the reality is, and it, it, it is it is a very important layer of defense, but it, it starts to impact really how your employees interact with the systems and how they work. And, you know, now you're talking about, okay, they might have gate notifications on their cell phone. Well, not everybody's paying, you know, the companies aren't paying for cell phones. So it starts sure. to go down this rabbit hole that some companies can just get churned up and spit out on. And so it's incredibly important. I just... I, I could never dismiss it as a security control, but it sometimes can be challenging to implement. Um, but if you if you aren't thinking about it, certainly for any kind of remote access or privilege access, you're probably you're you're probably behind it um, mm. because it is it's an important vector for the bad actors to get on. That being said, guess what? They've also figured out how to get through multi-factor. Um, you know, part of it is multi-factor fatigue where a lot of multi-factors will use a push notification like we get on our phone, right? Is do you accept that you're trying to log in and that's your your second factor, right? Well, guess what? If I send, if I'm a bad actor and I send that message to you a hundred times, eventually you're just gonna click it because you want it to go away. Yeah. And so there there's still ways to get around multi-factor. It's like every security control there is. There's a way to get around it. That's why you got to have the depth and defense that we've been talking about. Um, but multi-factor is, is an incredibly important aspect of your security control. So is it is it more, you know, because I'm trying to think about it like in something that's a little bit easier for me to think about. So you said, you know, people are going to challenge you and say that you have to have it. But is it like you need to have a roof on your house, but if you don't have the foundation, you can't start. Is it is it like that or is it just more of a to your point about you know some some organizations aren't paying for their their uh, employee cell phone so if they don't have a cell phone you can't multi-factor so it's 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 just kind of a wacky slippery slope here or um it, it's a lot of different things i mean probably more to your first point i, I mean it, it's kind of like we're in that day and age we were talking about where you know 15 20 years ago no every people would consider not having antivirus on their devices. Yeah. Nobody's going to consider that now, right? We're kind of in that phase where, yeah, you can probably get by without it. It's not, you know, there there's companies that get by without it. Um, you know, we're getting into that day and age where, yeah, you really get, again, especially for that external access, especially for the external access. Mm -hmm. A lot of people haven't made that leap yet for the privileged access. Um, so that's why it, 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 still feels to me like it's in that secondary piece because because people can get by without it and they do get by without it it's a risk mm -hmm. um and it's it's a bigger risk any in, in this day and age so um in, in five is, years in five years from now we're going to be saying everybody's got it just like well, it's like it, it, it's the multi-factor on your phone right mm -hmm. how many people do you run across now that don't have some kind of security on their phone i mean i'm not gonna say this out loud but i'm gonna say it out loud i got a sister right she well why would i lock my phone like oh geez you know i mean so you still got you still got a little bit of that naivety does she know you're in security yeah, she does yeah <laughs> i remind her of that frequently um so anyway yeah five years from now i just can't see it not being a hundred percent especially yeah. for company company environments sure okay so that's one. Um, and then, you know, some of the other things we talk about, um, we talk about incident 
management. Now, nobody likes to think about that until, unfortunately, sometimes it's too late. Um, but there's a couple ways to look at incident management. You know, one of the things again, we provide at One Neck is just making sure you have a plan, which can be very basic. You don't have to overthink it, but it's like the question I think they ask to presidents, right? Where they say, oh no, I, I wear the same suit every day because I don't want to, I don't want to think about that thing. I want to think about other things. So I just do the easy thing, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with documentation. If you got documentation, you can pull out and you don't have to think about those things in a moment, which, which is probably already stressful for you. So having a plan around incident response is incredibly important. But the other part to that is, um, you know, you kind of think about if your business was really impacted, is your team really going to be able to help identify the foothold that the bad actors had and really make sure that's closed? That's a very specialized skill set. Um, and so uh, when we talk to customers, we talk about partnerships to do that <clears throat> and having those people on retainer because um, you just never know. And, and, and you it's going to happen, right? Whether it's big or small, but having true experts that know how to uh, do forensics, really look at your environment, having that as a partnership is important. Um, we we partner with a company called TrustedSec, right? It, again, not even something we do ourselves because it's a very specialized skill set. It, it, as you can imagine, has a lot of peaks and valleys in, in the work, probably more, unfortunately, peaks right now than valleys. Yeah. Um, but at least talking about that and understanding is a partnership important for you to have. And a lot of times those partnerships are very cost effective because you could do other things with that service as well. I mean, they're normally, it's going to be a year retainer and, you know, after mm -hmm. the year it's kind of a lose, use it thing, but it is, a, it's an important element of your security program to at least talk through an understanding or saying, you know what? a third party just isn't part of our response plan. But talking through that and making that decision when you're not in a stressful moment is a lot better than yeah. doing it when you're in the heat of the moment, right? So that's another important area. Um, the other ones, um, I'll, I'll talk about the one because uh, I know you've uh, been talking with one of our partners about this, is pen testing, right? If you have some of the foundational pieces in place and especially if you're doing any kind of custom development um, that's internet facing, pen testing really is becoming more and more critical. In fact, there was a, an executive order put out um, a couple of years ago saying that if you're gonna do business with the federal government and you're software-based, you need to have proof of a pen test, right? Mm -hmm. So again, it's one of those things that is becoming more, uh, more important depending on the business sector you're in um, and who you're serving. Um, so pen testing, again, highly specialized skill set, um, but you can get very cost-effective pen test. It's got, yeah, it's, and we've it's seen a point, that. It's a point-in-time test, right? So it's not, it's not going to tell you, you know, two weeks from now what might be wrong, but it really helps give you some visibility into your environment. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yep. So uh, pen testing, multi-factor incident response, I think are, you know, three, again, pretty foundational pieces. Uh, but the the next ones, this is where it gets really tough in security tools, right? Is there can always be overlap. One of the things we talked about um, is having an MDR solution because a lot of mid-sized companies aren't gonna be able to afford a SOC. So you don't have mm -hmm. 24 by seven um, 
monitoring or certainly response and MDRs help with that. But this next level, you know, certainly enterprise type customers are going to have an investment in staff for themselves. So they're going to they're going to um, probably buy specialized tools that normally come inclusive with an MDR solution. Mm -hmm. But again, depending on where what's what's important to your security program, you may be looking at doing your own logging, your own security event management, so a SIM tool, um, and your own vulnerability scanning. You are maybe you're in a position to not have to leverage a service to do that, and so you want to purchase tools that your team is going to have to manage and then respond to. And so that's that next section. It's you know having a vulnerability scanner, um, but more importantly, having a a process that takes that data and actually acts on that data because just doing the scanning is meaningless if you're not going to act on it. Somebody can't uh, read it, understand it. Well, and prioritize it. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can send you a couple of vulnerability <clears throat> scans. They're hundreds of pages long. And where mm -hmm. do you start? Right? Sure. So just having the tool doesn't, doesn't help. Might mm -hmm. give you a little bit of awareness, but you got to fix the problems. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, doing that vulnerability scanning, and there's a lot of great um, tools out there. You know, we sell uh, Rapid7 uh, um, Nexpos um, in the Qualys. There's a lot of great products out there. Um, you know, pure logging, you know, because there's different things you can do with logs. Um, it doesn't have to just be security information and event management. So a lot of times logging, you'll really pair with your operational um, cohorts and maybe use the the same tool so you can get that telemetry. But mm -hmm. then ultimately for a security need, you're going to need that SIM type tool. Um, so that's where it, it really, you're starting to get some overlap. You got to understand what you have and what you don't have and what the real business requirements are. So you're not getting a bunch of tools that you're buying feature sets that you already maybe have something uh, that, mm -hmm. can, that can provide the requirements you need. So would you stay with this this second level of tools that we've talked to here, the MFA, the incident management and pen testing? These are more, you know, small to mid-size. I mean, all organizations need to have them, but as you're starting to, to grow, um, once you start to get into a mid-sized organization, these are the, the kind of things you need to start looking at. Maybe with the yeah. exception of the MFA, I mean, you need that. You should yeah. really have that. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely when you're hitting that next level, you know, how are you testing yourself? And that's what pen testing is going to help with. Um, again, depending on where you maybe have gaps based on that foundational set, you might need to be looking at vulnerability management or um, a SIM solution. But things like MFA, thinking through your, um, your incident response plan, yeah, I mean, Again, it, it seems crazy to even think that's secondary because in my gut, that is just so core to a um, security program, but you've got to be able to prioritize. And, and for me, that's how I kind of look at the prioritization. Of those and, and you, you got to start somewhere. I mean, you can't, you, you can't throw it all out there and expect it to get implemented. I mean, how many times do you see people buy tools and they just, they never implement a tool? I mean, that's, that's why it's the understanding what you really need and do you have the people on staff to, to operate it if you do get it? Because there's some really cool stuff out there, but <laughs> if, you, if you don't have the people to operate it, you're just going to have a box of really cool stuff. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we've seen that. Well, so why don't we uh, just take a little second here and we'll wrap up and then we'll come right back.
All right, welcome back. So um, we've made a little bit of a change here. We we think that rather than having three three episodes to talk about the security tools, we're just going to piggyback on the final set of security tools uh, right here and now. But let's let's end out with this this uh, this next level that we've that we've talked about here. And and quite honestly, Katie, you, you know, you hit them pretty good as organizations are starting to mature and get into a different position and start to build out their security practice. They really need to think about MFA incident management and pen testing. So that really that really brought us from from uh, the, the table stakes into the next step where you're really getting mature. So now why don't we talk about that that final stage that that um, that we want to talk about and what organizations can do to, to really, you know, maybe hit that that apex at that next level up. Yeah, yeah, and that's as I got to thinking about it, Chris. I mean, these can be very niche solutions for customers where they have a specific business requirement. And or again, as you said it um, previously, where they have staff that can, can actually run these things and make it useful, right? Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we look at that next level, again, where we talk about very specific to the business is something like a web application firewall, right? This isn't mm -hmm. your traditional, you know, north-south firewall. This is very specific to where you have to publish applications. Now, not everybody has to public uh, publish applications to the internet, um, but what you can find with a web application firewall is you might have vulnerabilities in your code or you might be running on an operating system that is deprecated. We, we have those things happen, right? But if you have a web application firewall, you have more um, defenses in front of some of that stuff because right, that's the other attack vector for these guys. It's not identity is a big one, but then where you've got internet facing devices, right? That's mm -hmm. another big vector they're going to go after. Um, and so, but not everybody has that big of a attack surface area. But so that's why I say it can be very specialized. Um, you know, if if you're in the business of providing a web app or a public facing application, if that's kind of your bread and butter, and mm -hmm. you are considering a WAF, you need to be considering a WAF because it is an important layer of protection. They can be a little complex to operate and maintain, but they are uh, an incredible um, piece of defense that you can have. So that, that's kind of an example example where it's very kind of be specific to the to the environment you're dealing with. And then the other piece, again, is is very much, I mean, they're, they're um, tools for security experts, right? So if you don't mm -hmm. have a security team of, you know, 10 plus, even 15 plus people, I, I just, I don't know how you really effectively use some of these tools, um, like things like threat hunting and, and leveraging security intelligence. Now, everybody needs some kind of feed on what is going on in the security realm, but like paying for that security intelligence and really connecting with them, you know, not a lot of certainly mid-market customers are going to go after that. People like, you know, Citicorp and big in enterprises. Yeah, huge yeah. organizations. You know, they need stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, there's just so many of these that are very niche need. Now, I will say I'll, I'll add a little bit of a caveat on it. One of the ones that it's kind of like when you back in the day talked about cloud and it just seemed like, well, what the hell does that mean? Mm -hmm. Right. One of the things that was introduced at that point was a um, a, a CASB, um, Cloud Application Security Broker. Um, 
And I will say those are becoming a little more prevalent um, because what it does is it helps put security policies and protections so that when your um, your employees are going out to cloud services, you have a little bit more control on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is tools like that. I mean, when I this conversation is going to become dated over time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everything's changing and growing. So CASB is kind of right now in that next section that we're talking about, but you know, probably you know, in months from now when we talk, it's probably going to be more. We're, equating it to how we talked about multi-factor, right? It becomes sure. more of a staple. So I don't, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to dismiss all these, right? But there's some um, data file analytics that are incredibly, you know, there's, uh, we partner with one, Verona. It's, it's a great product. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, it, it's not always foundational to what you have to put in place for a security program. But if you have that specific need, it's a great product. And because you're, you're identifying with Veronis, you're identifying what uh, you're na- naming or tagging all of the data within the organization. So you know what's the most important to the least important is that. And and there's organizations that they're just not going to have that. Right. I mean, they're not going to have that those kind of subsets of, of data. So it doesn't make any sense to use it. Right. And it, believe me, when you say a lot, it of course sounds important to everybody, but it yeah. comes at a cost, right? Yeah. So again, coming back to that prioritization. Um, DDoS mitigations, right? Most customers aren't getting DDoSed on a regular basis. Yeah. Folks like OneNAC are, so we have to have certain protections, right? But again, it's kind of a more of a niche need for us. Um, you know, the, the other ones that have been prevalent in conversations are things like network access control. Cisco ICE is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aruba's got a, a clear pass, right? So there's but it takes some management on the end of the uh, from the company's perspective to be able to really granular control some of what's going on in your internal environment like a network access control system does so like i said all of these you just have to look at your use case for your business and say what what's the risk we're trying to mitigate and do some of these tools fit that um, but these aren't typically tools you're just going to say, yep, we need. Uh, there has to be some assessment done. On that, and there, that's what I was going to say. So how do, you, how do you figure out what you need? And I think you just hit it right there, you know, back to what we've talked about, you know, constantly have that, have that security assessment done. And then you're going to know what makes the most sense for the organization. And, and it's not going to come back to you as a spe- specific tool. It's going to come back and say, you're getting hit with a lot of DDoS or you have a lot of internet facing applications. And then at that point in time, um, you know, obviously we sell some of those products, but there's a lot of products out there. You can look at those and, and you can take them through the ringer to see what makes the most sense for you. So um, I'm glad you kind of wrapped it all back up to a, to a security assessment, Katie. I, I like that. So very yeah. nice. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's that's kind of the the you know the the top level of what we're talking about here is is really the niche products that are specific to an organizational need, and the organization figures that out by really having you know assessing you know what they need. I mean, is that is that the best way to say it? Best way to say it. Okay. Well, I think we wrapped up the uh, the third piece of the puzzle here into this into this podcast. So that was excellent. So. Um, as always, thanks for your time. Absolutely. And we'll be on to some exciting things the next time we talk. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Katie. Right. Have a good day. Yep. Bye.